Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. And right now, here he is. What's your name? Good morning, Zeb. <laughs> Dr. History. Yeah. It's a nice day out there, sun shining. You know, it's going to it, be warm. It's going to be hot the next couple be, of days. It they, is. They're calling for 100. Yeah. 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 Well, we complain when it's cold. We complain when it's hot. Yep. This winter we'll be sitting here going, I wish I wasn't yeah, so cold. I wish it was up to 40 or something. Yeah. You, know. you got any friends that you want to I thank? I do. Uh, Terry, down in 29 Palms. You know where that is? I do. California. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he wrote and said, there's a book that I'm going to get that he recommended. It's called Pistol Packing Preachers. <laughs> you so, really popped your peas. Yeah, Pistol Packing Preachers. And uh, anyway, he also said that he uh, listens live to and listens to your entire show. Well, God bless him. Yeah, so There not, is a smart man. He is, yeah. And Stephanie down in Texas, she helped me with my... Texan pronunciation. Okay, what was it? <laughs> well, there were some words that I used a while back, and anyway, she let me. Uh, she told me how to pronounce them properly. Oh, really? Yeah. So, thank you, Terry. I appreciate that because, as you know, I, I I don't always pronounce things as they should be. Oh, don't worry about it. But it's nice they're listening. Yes, I appreciate that. So, yeah. and also, folks, uh, a historic occasion last week. I finished the final edit of my book. Good for you. It's taken three edits, and my uh, editor is now going through it for the last time. So I'm hoping to publish, hopefully, within the next month or so. And the title? Coal Miner to Cowboy. Coal Miner to Cowboy. Historical novel going from 1850 to 1870. And, of course, I'm going to get a signed copy. And your name is in there, too, Zeb. In vain? No. Okay. <laughs> no, you're a farrier. I am. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> a what, a what horseshoer. You say horseshoer so everybody understands. <laughs> you're a horseshoer. You shoe horses. And you'll you'll like that little bit about okay. you. And that, I, I you love know. it. I love it. So today we're going to talk about mules uh-huh. and uh, in a way that you will never guess. Okay. All right. I'm anxious. So picture this. It would soon be day- daylight, time to move out. Lieutenant Frank D. Baldwin thought, where in the devil are my scouts? Where in the devil? Where in the devil are my scouts? Then he heard a lone horse coming hard. That meant a message. The other scouts had stayed behind. The horse came his way, and the scout said, Indians camped ahead, sir. How many? At least 300, sir, maybe more. Indian women and babies with them as well. Any sentries? None moving, sir. The whole camp seems asleep. They must have had a hard march yesterday. Could you determine who they are? Graybeard. We recognized his teepee. Mm. Okay, I'm going to talk a lot about Graybeard. Okay. Okay, so you got the picture here. So Baldwin had no doubt as to uh, his decision. He would have to attack these Indians. Being outnumbered two or three to one, he had a good excuse for not attacking. I mean, he was outnumbered. He had another good excuse for not attacking. His detachment was not an offensive force, but he was interested in good excuse. He wasn't interested in good excuses for not engaging the army, uh, the enemy. He didn't need good excuses to charge the enemy either. But he would have a problem in deciding how to carry out the mission. Really? So this is this is the problem. Okay. okay. Now, this is where? Uh, where is this? 
Was this done in the southwest or something? Uh, yeah, it's in the southwest. I think uh, we may hit it here in okay. a minute. Okay, all right. Uh, his detachment, here we go, his detachment had started from the north bank of Red River on November 4, 1874, and after three days of hard riding, had arrived east of Amarillo, Texas. Oh, my. So you know where that is. Yeah. So in a, included in his, in his command were Troop D, 6th Cavalry, Company D, 5th Infantry, a few scouts, a mountain howitzer, and 23 six-mule teams with empty wagons. Okay, so picture that. 23 wagons with six mules on each wagon. Yeah. How far would that stretch? Half a mile? Well, yeah, and there'd be a whole bunch of brand going on. Yeah, it'd be noisy. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so he's got all these wagons. They certainly weren't going to arrive undetected. No, no. <laughs> Now, his orders from Colonel Nelson A. Miles was to proceed north and eastward and convoy the train to a supply camp on the Washita River, about 200 miles south of Fort Dodge. Holy smokes. To send a scout if he sighted Indians and if contact were made to, quote, attack or pursue as you may deem necessary. So his orders were to attack if How he... How many men did he have? Well, there was about 300 Indians, and he had maybe... A third of that. Wow. You know, maybe 80 or so. Now, knowing that it was Greybeard and his band, he had plenty of reason to attack. They suspected that Greybeard held two young white girls captive. The two youngest Germain, or some people call it German, daughters. The Germains had left Georgia earlier in the year, hoping to settle in Colorado. Beside the father and mother, there were six children, two boys and four girls. On September 11th, near Fort Hayes, uh, Indians of several tribes attacked under Kicking Bird. They attacked their camp, and things didn't go well. They carried away the girls as captives. Kicking Bird's band kept the two oldest girls, Sophie and Catherine, aged 18 and 12, while Greybeard fled with Julia and Adelaide, aged 5 and 7, respectively. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of those two little girls, Ed. Okay. Oh, my. See that? And so they were taken as prisoners. Right, with Greybeard. Okay. The older girls went with the other tribe. Okay. So, anyway, uh, so these two young girls gave Baldwin plenty of reason to engage the Indians, even though he was terribly outnumbered. Yeah. Now, the problem were these wagons and mules. No matter, he thought, he had to send a message to Colonel Miles. He could work out his own problems later. And quickly he scrawled out a message advising the colonel of his position and his intention of attacking immediately. You know, these are odds are not very good. Yeah, and what kind of uh, expediency could he show in this attack with all those mules? You're going to see, Zeb. Uh, <laughs> it's coming. Uh, yeah. Baldwin started his column down the trail until he contacted his scouts that were out ahead, then made his final plans after observing the lay of the land, Looking his men over, the uh, lieutenant felt certain that they had, quote, the stomach for the coming scrimmage. 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 Uh-huh. No one had flinched when they heard of the numbers they faced or that Greybeard, a noted warrior-in-chief, led the band, mainly it was Kiowas and Comanches. Doesn't it surprise you that the Indians didn't know they were coming? Well, they kind of did. Oh. <laughs> okay. okay. So, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Okay. So Baldwin had problems. What to do with 23 six-mule teams and wagons? Yeah, really. Okay? Now, he couldn't leave them behind, 
uh, without protection because Greybeard, if he had a chance to get organized, would quickly split off uh, a bunch of uh, his uh, men to go after the wagons. They'd be sitting ducks. Okay. Uh, if he left men behind to guard the wagons, he wouldn't have enough soldiers for an offensive, uh, effective charge. And no two ways about it, the Teamsters and wagons had to participate in the attack. Really? It gets interesting, right? Yeah, I'm thinking, uh, I don't want to be there. (laughs) (laughs) For the first time in military history, mule teams and wagons would participate in an offensive cavalry charge. You know, I wonder what the Indians thought when they saw all those ears. Uh, Well, yeah, we're going to get to that, too. (laughs) The drivers knew they would be vulnerable. Unable to fight back, for they would have their hands full just driving. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't be able to stand up and Six shoot. mules to a hitch, right? Yeah. Holy smokes. So, here's what they did. They formed in a line with the mule-drawn wagons in the center. It was necessary to cross open ground before hitting the camp area at the edge of a cottonwood grove. So... Already, an Indian sentry had sounded the alarm, and the warriors were preparing to make a stand. So Baldwin warned his troops about keeping on the lookout for the two young white girls. Because they really wanted to rescue them. Absolutely. So here we go. Say a, a trumpet played some spine-tingling notes and charge. Here we charge. go. Here with, we go. With the guys on horseback. And the wagons. And the wagons. With six mules each. This doesn't sound good. Horsemen and wagons swept across the plain. Can you just picture this? The mule skinners yelling in a language that mules understood. Yeah, but you can't tell. <laughs> you can't tell a mule what to do. The Indians commenced firing at the line as it came into range. Those mules leading the charge. Here and there, a man or a man and a horse might uh, go down. The Indians continued shooting from behind any cover they could manage, but the majority of the warriors began to break for their horses. You can imagine all this coming towards them. So by now... And this is in a straight line. Yeah. Now, I'm a little confused as if... Uh, if they, if the teamsters were lined up one behind another, or if they were side by side, uh, if they were side by side, they'd be like, what would you say, twenty six wagons? Yeah, and then with the cavalry on each side of them, yeah, that might have been a little impressive. Yeah, so I'm thinking they were side by side. Yeah, that just makes more yeah. sense. Yeah, but never had the Indians witnessed such a wild charge with these wall-eyed, lop-eared mules in the lead, and Greybeard and his warriors seemingly unable to muster any effective resistance. They were so astounded at what was going on. So here, the picture, the wagons hurtled into the camp at full tilt, into their Indian camp, scattering the Indians. Uh, The Kiowas and Comanches tried one last volley, then they fled on ponies or on foot uh, in kind of a helter-skelter panic. Greybeard managed to collect some of the isolated warriors into units which he rallied to harass the cavalry for 12 miles in a running battle. Then all the warriors vanished. Really? They were gone. Yeah. Really? So the charge uh, uh, had been spectacular, grand, and most effective in results. Baldwin got the job done. The detachment succeeded in capturing a large number of ponies and in destroying the Indian camp. Well, I was going to say, I I don't know, but I wonder if any of those Indian ponies had ever heard anything like a, and they're coming at them. Yeah. Well, that could scare scare those ponies. Who knows? Wow. But the infantrymen found the two young Germain girls huddled beneath a large buffalo robe, alive 
and unhurt. So we're talking roughly 136 mules. Yeah. Right? Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, 23 I mean, times. Six, six times yeah. 23 or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, roughly 130 mules. Yeah. Uh, coming down on this village, Indian village, yeah. plus all the cavalry and everything. Right. Wow. But And keep in mind, it was a village with women and children. So they wanted to, I guess, save the, their families and yeah. stuff. So they didn't stick around to fight. So, How did they ever control their horses, I wonder? That probably would have been a challenge, too, because the horses, if they saw this, they might oh, just take leave, off. They're leaving Dodge City. Yeah. But anyway, so it was a success. And for this decisive victory, Lieutenant Baldwin received the Medal of Honor, his second distinguished service, uh, and uh, it was nothing, the service was nothing new to him. At the age of 19, he had joined the Union Army and was mustered out as a lieutenant colonel at the age of 22. Really? At the Battle of Peachtree Creek near Atlanta, Georgia, on July 20th, 1864, he was cited for bravery above and beyond the call of duty, winning his first Medal of Honor. So he now has two Medals of Honor. What were the casualties on behalf of the cavalry? It doesn't tell me. Really? But there had to be, it does say there was some that went down. Yeah. yeah. So we don't really know on that. But anyway, so for him, after the Civil War, he entered the regular army as a second lieutenant. He distinguished himself throughout the Indian Wars of 1867-1891. On two occasions in 1876, he made contact with Sitting Bull. On December 7th, he found the famous chief and his warriors in a uh, very strong position, and Baldwin, being outnumbered, wisely withdrew. Smart man. Yeah. Yeah. Smart man. But later, Baldwin spent three years, 1900 to 1903, in the Philippine insurrection. And I'm not exactly sure what that was. I should have looked that up. But he retired as a brigadier general in the early 1900s to live in Colorado. In 1915, he was promoted to major general. And of all of his many outstanding battles, the one everybody remembered best was the time the mules led the charge, and he earned the Medal of Honor for the second time. And here's what he said. The medal should have gone to the mules. And he meant every word of that statement. Really? Yeah. You know, that's really impressive. He must have been sharp, really smart to figure out that his negatives of uh, having 23 or 26 wagons with all these mules turned into a positive. Well, I've heard it said that when you're faced with a situation, you see what you have, not what you haven't. Yeah. So he obviously used what he had to to do this. And he retired in Colorado raising mules. <laughs> yes. And here's a picture of him right there. Uh, that's him right there. Yeah. Now, very dignified oh, man. Very distinguished looking, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, to me, he, uh, just looking at him, I, I would think he would command a presence to his men, his soldiers of of courage. Something you know? we don't have today. Anyway. <laughs> he would be he would be a man I would I think I'd follow. I'd even though, you know, the odds were very, very much against them. What about all the mules? I mean, uh, what they, rece- they received medals of honor, too. Oh, they did? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened to the mules, uh, but... Uh, that would be, uh, unless there has been and I'm not aware of it, wouldn't that be a great movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just to watch those mules charging, pulling wagons, oh, bouncing over the yeah. rocks and the sagebrush. Oh, my goodness. I, I can envision, you know, Ben Johnson and uh, uh, John Wayne oh, yeah. and all these guys Leading starring. that charge. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, that uh, I thought that was kind of interesting, and and I did do a story I think a long time ago on the Germain family and how they the the four daughters got. Uh, but they did get the girls back. Yes. Um, I, see, did I? I think I mentioned that. that yeah. They that, uh, the four older girls got uh, returned, as well as the four younger, uh, two younger girls. Oh my. Yeah, they they uh, were rescued, and uh, they had lost their parents and their brothers. But uh, so don't know really what happened after that with the girls. And this took place down in uh, North Texas. Texas yeah. 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 Wow. But, that is one of my favorite stories that you've had on there because you can, as you're reading it, you can follow along in your mind's eye and just see all those wagons coming across the plains there with yeah. all it, those mules. It kind of reminds you of the uh, uh, land runs, you know. Oklahoma land runs. Yeah, when, when yeah. they would uh, yeah. charge across there in their wagons and on foot and on mules' wagons. I never understood how they did that. I mean, as far as how they staked the claims and uh, how much land, you know, how they yeah. figured that all up. And I, you know, it seems like we talked about this. We I, did. I, I, for some reason, I'm thinking they had plotted out some of that, and you just had to st- drive your stake in where they had it plotted. I see. Which gave you, I can't remember, was it 120 acres? Or, I'm not sure on that. Uh, there was a certain number of acres that you got. I see. But uh, if you homesteaded so many acres, now I know over in uh, eastern Idaho, there was an area there where if you homesteaded, you had 80 acres, but you had to live on it for five years, and you had to improve on it in that five years. So you couldn't just stake it out. Yeah. You, but uh, the unfortunate thing is some large cattle ranchers would have their men go out and homestead. And basically, it increased the acreage oh. of the rancher, which was a little not quite as honest. Yeah, I would say so. so. Interesting story. And to all those people that are listening out there, thank you for your cards and letters and your kind thoughts and everything. Appreciate that. Yeah. I, oh, and I did hear from the Schnitzelfleister. Oh, the Schnitzelfleister. <laughs> yes, related to Uncle Budweiser. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he's getting ready to retire, and I think he's going to leave Germany and come back to the States. And, really? Yeah. I, I got to meet this guy. Yeah. No, now, where does he live here in he's the States? He's in Germany. I know that, but yeah, now where does he live I, here? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he... Maybe just has to find a place to live because he's been over. Wouldn't Germany. it be great if we could get some of these people on the phone during one of our segments? <laughs> oh, he'd love it. I bet. Oh my goodness! Yeah, absolutely outstanding job, Doctor History, brought to you every Tuesday by Doctor Scott Morley and his very friendly, knowledgeable staff at Burley Veterinary Hospital. Believe me, they take care of all your animals, large and small. They love them all at twenty eight sixty nine Overland in Burley, and the number to call six. Seven eight five five zero nine. Don't forget, Burley Veterinary Hospital, taking care of your animals, bringing you doctor history. Hey, Doc, don't forget, tomorrow at the Twin Falls County Fair, don't forget, it's a one-of-a-kind, Western-themed, action-packed show, spiced with motorsports flair. It's ponies, pistols, and pistons at the Twin Falls County Fair, Wednesday, August 31st. Don't miss it tomorrow, featuring... 
rodeo specialty acts, bullfighters, cowboy mounted shooting, freestyle motocross, and demolition derby to kick off the Twin Falls County Fair and Rodeo. Got a minute left before you have to leave. I wanted to ask you, as we go into the fall this year, uh, what are some of the other stories that you've got planned that maybe we're going to highlight and feature? You know, I uh, came across... I came across, uh, I told you, somebody sent me about 40 or 50 Old West and True West magazines yeah. from the yeah. 60s, yeah. and I've been going through those, and I've been finding some great stories out of those, and I, I like those older magazines because, uh, I don't know, they just like this one I just showed you, it... Uh, well, they got the pictures to verify the story. Right. And, I like that. Yeah, and a lot of times it's like a grandson or somebody of somebody that's writing the story that got the story from their grandfather. Wouldn't it be appropriate right now if there's any story that we've carried through Dr. History, if there's any relatives? Oh, we've talked about that. We'd I'm, love to have them on the program. Yeah, anybody. Yeah. That, I mean, the Germain family. Yeah. You know, four daughters. I'm sure they yeah. married and had families. and Yeah. So they would have at least grandkids or great grandkids. Yeah, well, we offer a special prize, like we'll take one Din- to eat someplace. Din- dinner with Zeb. Yeah, dinner with Zeb and Doc. Uh, yeah. There you go. Z- dinner, dinner with, with Zeb, Zeb and Doc. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll take And them Doc's going to pick up the tab. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. God bless you, and take care, and we'll see you next week. All right, thanks, Zeb. All right. Great, absolutely great. Dr. History, I appreciate him being on my program.